Hi, and welcome to this episode on what do you need to see to be an agile organization. Today we have Peter Stoffelberg. Peter, you have to help me pronounce your name. Did I get that right? Yeah, you got it perfectly. Peter Stoffelberg. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us. So Peter is the founder of House of Transformation. He has about 25 years plus experience in business and in transforming companies. He much more agile organization. He helps teams become high-performing teams. He loves coaching. And thank you so much, Peter, for being here with us and sharing your wisdom. Great. Thanks for having me, uh, Deepa. You know, there are so many organizations today working and trying to become more agile. People are also wanting to become more agile because there's a lot more uncertainty, uncertainty in business, uncertainty in the market. And there's also a lot of uncertainty when we have conversations to be much more vulnerable. So what got you to specialize and work in this domain? My background, I'm actually a controller and a general manager. The biggest part of my career, I was in controlling and general management. And in 2009, I got asked, I was working in those days for a large electricity company, about 10,000 people. And I got asked to lead a transformation. The company was just bought. And, you know, I jumped into it. It was something totally new for me. In a general management position, you, you build up some leadership skills and some transformation skills, but it doesn't make you an expert. So, you know, I really got into a new career, which I really enjoy, in all honesty. So about 10 years working with transformations. And the first thing I I saw then, you know, I was working for the company about three or four years in those days. And I thought, you know, we're doing actually pretty well. It's a pretty good company. I felt myself to be a pretty good leader. So in terminology of being an agile company, I thought, well, this is not too bad. And then, you know, you start to dig in a little bit about the patterns in a company, how the company is organized, you know, about the results and then you basically see hmm then reality kicks in <laughs> maybe we were not that good actually so you know that's where i got really interested in agile organizations how to get the best out of companies so you've been through it yourself and you learned it the hard way and then you decided to become an expert in this domain absolutely absolutely you know it's like uh, I, I think you need to learn stuff uh, not always the hard way but often the hard way and I think I learned this the hard way. And I think that was my best, uh, the best teacher. <laughs> You're not the only one. I remember I was an IT professional for a long, long time. I succeeded, grew very quickly in my career. And then I moved to France and I was in a big change program. And I can tell you, I failed pretty miserably in that change program. That's when I decided that I need to understand the human dynamics of change and got into this whole domain of coaching and seeing how we can help companies become more agile and help them transform. So we've learned it the hard way around and now we're out here to help people. So in your experience and for you, I know there are many definitions out there for you. What is an agile organization? Well, you know, for me, an agile organization is is an organization that sort of reinvents themselves constantly. You know, an agile organization is totally integrated in their environment. You know, they're adapting to the markets or actually they make the markets uh, together with the markets or their environment and stakeholders. You know, if you give some characteristics of agile organization, you know, it's all about collaboration, self-organizing, totally networked. It goes fairly organic and i think one of the main characteristics and we may talk also a little bit later about that is actually that these companies are totally people-centered 
Right. So, you know, and, and the idea is agile organization at the end of the day, this is all great, but an organization is an organization. They also have like superior results. And when I talk about results, you know, I'm not talking only about results in financial terms, but also um, in, in customer satisfaction, employee engagement, basically the whole set of stakeholders. Once a client told me, and I, I love this uh, metaphor, he compared a agile organization with a murmuration of starlings. You know, have you ever seen the murmuration of starlings in the evening? Yes. Sometimes, you know, they come at the same place, same time in right. the evening. They go left, right, center, and it's like a beautiful symphony in the air. Right. And I really like that metaphor, you know, because these birds basically don't have a fixed task. They have no hierarchy. It just seems to happen. And it's all about communications. A lot of scientific research, how these birds communicate. I'll spare you the details. But, you know, <laughs> that's a little bit a metaphor for an agile organization. And I think, you know, when you put it in black and white, they're basically two extremes. It's an agile organization. You know, it's like an or organism and it's hard to steer. You're not sure where it's going to, but it's going into the right direction based because they have a strong purpose and direction. And on the other side, you have what I call conforming organizations or conforming cultures, you know, which are fairly hierarchical. It's all about control, power, authority. How do I sustain my market share? So these are the two types of uh, organizations I see. And of course, there is gray areas. I, I get that. But often people, and again, this was my own experience, the hard way, often people think they're pretty agile as a person. They're pretty agile as a team. They're pretty agile as an organization. But if you really look into it, a lot of organizations, over 90% of the organizations is still more in the conforming type of culture and you know, conforming type of structure. So, you know, it is the art to see yourself. Am I really agile or am I a conforming type of organization? And I would like to make one point when we talk about agile organizations. I'm not so much talking about Scrum, Lean Startup, Design Thinking. These are great tools and methodologies, but that doesn't make you agile. It can support you to become an agile organization because often I meet clients, people who say, oh, we're agile because we have introduced Scrum and we're great at Scrum. Well, that doesn't make you agile. I always say it's like 30% methodology and 70% is culture, mindset, attitude, leadership. So that's where the hard part is. 70% <laughs> is culture and mindset. 70% is what you don't see. When you see the birds flopping around in the evening so smoothly in such a beautiful manner, you say, wow, that looks so easy. And I guess Agile looks so easy from the outside if it's really done. But I guess inside, like you say, the struggle between are we really conforming and are we moving away? How do we move away from that conforming, authoritative, losing our power to a much more distributed, non-centralized, um, collaborative way? So what challenges do you see get in the way of becoming an Agile organization? Well, you know, I think it all starts with awareness, you know. Do I really see what the organization looks like? What are the patterns? What is my leadership? So, so you have to face reality first, you know. That's a little bit the, the hard way, the pain we were talking about when we started this podcast. Mm -hmm. Basically, our brains are wired. We think we are better than we are in actual life. You know, in psychological terms, they call this a cognitive bias, a superiority bias. Forget about the terminology. There's a lot of reason why we are wired like that. But uh -huh. basically, we think we are better than we are in real life on a personal perspective, but also from an organizational 
perspective. So first you need to be have a, a, a full understanding and awareness. So what are the organizational patterns? What does the organization look like? Am I really an agile organization? And you really need to be critical from an organizational perspective, but it also starts with yourself, right? Because you are the person who has this bias and doesn't see things anymore, especially if you're longer in an organization. You know, you don't see how things run anymore. You're part of the system. And I think that is the hardest thing, you know, when, again, when I, in 2009, became head of the transformation in this great electricity company, it's really seeing and understanding and also naming reality once you start naming reality, people get defensive uh, straight away. Because, hey, basically, you know, they put their whole soul in, a, in an organization, often. You know, and when you say, well, actually, we're not as good as we think we are, you know, it's like first you get defensive. And maybe, you know, you have better ways of explaining uh, this reality. But I think this is really what you need to see first. Often you cannot do it yourself anymore. That's really my belief. From a personal perspective, you need feedback from an organization perspective, you may want to look outside to how other organizations are doing it. You may want to have a task force, you know, trying to name the realities. A lot of different ways of doing it. But I think this is the big issue. Can I see myself, my limitations? Can I see my organizational limitations? And can I really see, you know, maybe I am actually a conforming company organization. Maybe we have a conforming culture. So that's where it starts. It's all about self-awareness. Right. Peter just named something very, very profound, which is that we don't see how we are working and just simply naming it, just simply naming, having an external consultant, having an external coach to just simply name how a team or how an organization is functioning brings a lot more conscious awareness and that awareness itself will help people take a step forward. Absolutely. You know, and, and again, you know, I, when I say this, Deepa, there's no judgment in it. Again, this right. is how we are wired. This is how our systems work. So let's do this judgment and value-free, right? And also the naming, there's no judgment in it. It is like, okay, this is the reality. Let's face the current reality. And maybe not always nice, um, <laughs> but let's not get judgmental about it. And I think that's really, really important, you know. Also, when you're on a personal journey, and often, you know, I, I mix up things like organization, agile organizations and agile leadership, because I think they are totally intertwined. Also at yourself, you know, when you see your own limitations, when you start to see them, you know, that's, that's really tough, that's really painful. But, you know, can you really suspend judgment on yourself or on other people if you help them in their journey? One of the hardest lessons I've learned is be without judgment. And I think from a leadership perspective, also organizational perspective, really, really important, you know, just to add what you were saying. You're absolutely right. We've been wired to see that we are better than, that we're great, because that's what helps us go ahead in life. And sometimes we don't want to look at what's negative. Because we say, well, let's look at what's positive and just move forward with that. And at the same time, we miss a certain reality when we don't see what needs to be changed, what can be better. Because if you don't see the gap, then you're never going to work towards it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally with you. you know, and, and again, one of my important lessons from an organizational perspective was like, okay, so then I start to see the reality because it used, you know, in 2009 when I just started uh, into big transformations, you know, you can see your reality and you can see the reality and also it helped with others. But how can I convince my, my peers, my colleagues, uh, 
the boards, the people, you know, and that's the really hard, you know. Okay, I see the reality. I went through the process. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> but how can I take other people through the process as well? Especially larger, complex organizations is great. You know, again, I worked for then for a company ten thousand people, and three years later, I did I did the same for a larger company, which was the parent company for seventy thousand people. It's great that Peter sees the reality, <laughs> right? Which is great, you know, also for myself, my own development and so on. But that doesn't change an organization. So you need to get a coalition. You need to get some critical mass of people seeing the same reality and, and believe in, in that. And based on that, you know, you can come up with a plan for it, with a program. Okay, now we see this reality. What are we going to do with it? You know, so, and then I always call it the coalition of the willing. So some people are with you relatively quickly and some people will never get with you, you know. Um, so it's, this is really hard, hard, hard. Often, you know, if you look at the organizations, and especially I work a little bit more in traditional organizations because traditional organizations, you know, they are born in hierarchy. Some of them are already 100, 150 years old, you know, and they have ingrained patterns and they've been successful for 100 to 150 years. And then explain or trying to take people along your journey like, hey, guys, the current reality is not going to help us in the future. Mm -hmm. The world is changing. That is a hard one, especially when it goes financially still very well and people are relatively happy. But we also know uh, we're living in a world in what we call the VUCA world, or we, we live in a world that goes quicker and, and quicker all the time. The, the market changes are quicker. The technology goes, you know, it's amazing uh, how technology develops. So you also, if you want to become an agile organization, you also need some, some vision. It's like, okay, we're doing great today, but uh, tomorrow the, the world can change. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Usually when one person sees the reality and has the power to roll out a plan, they want to go so quickly. And especially when the figures are on your side, on the side of the organization, it becomes harder to get a coalition that is willing to actually make the change happen, that is actually willing to see the reality. And like you said, we so often want to go so fast in this world today that that's the time when we need to slow down and really get everybody on board to see the reality. Absolutely. I'm, I'm totally with you. But it starts with seeing reality. So if, you know, if I could convey something to the listeners, let's first see the reality. <laughs> and then later on, maybe do another podcast on how to do a transformation. <laughs> but it, it's all about reality. And again, reality, you know, I'm, maybe I'm, it's powerful. Let's go to power repetition. It can be at an organizational level, but it has to start with yourself first. I don't think a transformation happens if you're not willing to transform yourself. Uh, you know, as a person, as a leader, uh, whatever your position is in, in an organization, uh, that's where it starts first. You know, have a good look at yourself and a reflection at yourself. So, what is going on in the organization? Like, if people start to see themselves, if people start to see the gaps in them, if people start to see the reality, if there's a whole team of willing people, what do you see happening in that organization? What behaviors do you notice? Most more traditional organizations, if I may call them like that, or the conforming organizations, as I call them, you know, the type of behavior you, you see there is often about control, about perfection, or maybe perfection is not bad, over-perfection. It's a lot of pleasing behavior. Often people got passive because of the whole system, you know, and often what you also see is like a lot of distance behavior. Um, so what I was always surprised with, you know, that there is like, it seems like the Jekyll and Hyde is going on. 
like people you know at home very personable very nice very talented you know very active type of people they seem to get through the door of an organization and they seem to put like a mask on i'm always in you know, flabbergasted by how people sort of transform. Again, I'm talking black and white. Eh? Right. So I'm not saying that everybody does that. But to a certain extent, the whole traditional uh, conforming organizations that does something to people, why they start to comply in a certain way and they start to put a mask on and they start to live like two lives. What you see in agile organizations, and I think this is where it gets also scary and hard, that people are very personal to each other it's really people-centered it is all about human to human contact kindness support you know and this kindness support it may sound a little bit wishy-washy it's actually really really tough you know because what you see that i think the big transformation in behavior in an agile organization of becoming from a traditional to an agile organization is this personal aspect is this human-to-human interaction it is this emotional exposure do i really try can i expose myself you know it gets more extension from home because you know when i talk to my wife i'm not going to talk in powerpoints and rational stuff you know we we have a a real person to personal conversation you know and the same is holds true for agile organizations you know you have personal conversations and that is how you build trust. That's how you build these type of organizations. These organizations, you know, they, they, their business model is basically trust. They have, of course, a good marketing function. They've got good innovation of them, but it all stems from trust. Yeah, and this is really, really hard because especially in the Western world, our whole society and schooling system is based on cognitive intelligence. Right? How smart are we? Can we analyze things properly? You know, when I went to university, I never had a subject on empathy. I never had subjects on that. No, I, I basically mastered myself from a cognitive perspective. And what you see now in agile organizations, analysis, being in a rational side, uh, being very cognitive is still super, super important, but shouldn't be 90 to 100% of the functioning of an organization. You know, you should let go some of that and get more to the person-to-personal uh, contact, the, the uh, human-to-human contact. And that is really, really where the hard part is. So if you ask me, so what is the type of behavior you see in these type of companies? Well, this is people that really speak up if they don't feel uh, something is not going right. Eh? And again, feel it's not going right. You know, often people think about stuff, but you also have like... Uh, your gut and your heart. So can you bring your whole self in an organization? This is where people really expose themselves, uh, where, where people really, you know, not only from a rational level, but also from an emotional level, have conversations. This takes courage. This is where the courage lies, I think. Exactly, exactly. Talking about how you feel is courage. It's courage. Exactly. It's so easy to put an armor. It's so easy to put a mask. And it's so easy to maintain that control and not to expose oneself when there is a lot of blame game happening in the system. That's when you need to speak up. You know, also also for the, for the more rational people, you know, and, and again, you know, I'm also a product of a rational society in general. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was very happy to go a little bit into, uh, into brain science. 
and you know it seems like we actually you know if you go really further you know the latest development basically we have three brains you know the brain we know which is in our head but uh, there's a lot of uh, neurotransmitters around our heart so that's the heart brain and a lot of uh, transmitters in our gut as well which are all linked to our brain so you know some people they say we basically we've got three brains we've got the head We've got the heart and we've got the gut. And a lot of organizations, you see, we use the head. We use the head 90 to 100%. <laughs> and we forget about all our other intelligence. And what I would like to see more, and I see that's far more effective, is let's use all our intelligence uh, from a personal perspective, but also from an organization perspective. And I think that's, you know, there's signs behind it. When we say, oh, I've got a gut feeling, actually, maybe the gut feeling is more brain-based than we think. <laughs> so also for the more <laughs> rational people, there is a lot of science behind it that your gut is actually very intelligent. You know, that's when you feel something, there's a lot of intelligence behind it. And can we use that type of intelligence as well? So uh, use all your three intelligence types, expose your feelings, be there really for people and leave the mask behind. Thank you so much, Peter, for sharing that. Can you share one tip that can help people to be this way? That is, to share, to expose their feelings, to share their feelings, to be much more supportive, to have less of a mask and use all the three intelligence types. I, I think it's being personal. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to be, uh, tell your private secrets and so on. It's nothing like that. Just be personal. Like I am to my wife, you know, I'm, I'm very, personal you know i sometimes go into ration as well but i'm very personal it's like you know tell a personal story you know often one of the things i i think it's a really icebreaker especially in teams you know it's like tell your lifeline you know tell a couple of things that were important in your life you know what made you as a person you know uh, maybe to get a little bit personal here also you know give the right example you know my father died when i was six that had a lot of influence how i am as a person uh, you know, in my leadership, in my being, you know, in a company or an organization perspective, I never told this story. You know, and if you tell stories like this, uh, what happened in your younger years or university years or what is holding you back, you know, things that happened in your, in your life or are still happening in your life, that really start to understand people and you start to make emotional connection with people. And in all honesty, you know, the first time I, I had to tell things like this in a business context, well, I tell you, that was not easy, you know, and I had tears and a lot of stuff happening. And that's what I call courage, right? Because it's very easy to do another analysis, but to tell stories <laughs> like this to make this connection, you know, this, my tip is be personal and everybody has to find his or her way in that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Just as you shared your story, that immediately, you know, my heart just leapt out and said, oh, I know you. I feel a bit more closer to you. Well, nice. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, the very first time when you said, oh, share your personal story, my rational brain went like, what? Share your personal story? What's the point of that? What is it going to lead us to? It's an organization. How does this change the results? And then actually, when you actually said your story, it just completely shifted. My heart brain was much more active and I was like feeling much more closer to you. So thank you very much for sharing. Thank you, uh, Deepa. And this is exactly what we need. Bring more humanity in the workspace. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. You know, to put it in perspective again, we do not just bring you more humanity or, or personal stories or we just don't bring it in for nothing because it shows that organizations who do that 
and can also act at a more emotional level versus and also on a rational level. Again, there's nothing wrong with rational. I'm going to stress it again. They just perform better. People are just happier to work there. You know, I, you know, you can do all the research in, in the world, and I'm sure there's a lot of research done. But happier employees give happier customers, give happier stakeholders. It's as simple as that. And what type of organization do you want to work in? In an organization where people are happy, you know, they interact in a, in a lovely way with each other, or, you know, in a power and control environment? Well, my choice would be relatively easy. Maybe other people think differently about it, but my choice, I would like to work in a more agile organization, agile environment where people are just more happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your tip. And before we close the episode, would you like to share one last message with the audience? Well, you know, I, I think the message is already said, maybe it's the power of repetition again. You know, I think it is, um, it's all about courage, right? We live in a world, you know, where we try to, you know, certainty is like the holy grail, control of things and so on, you know. And I think it's just courage to take a risk, courage to deal with uncertainty. You know, let things go. Let things go, you know. You cannot control everything in this world anymore. You cannot control everything in an organization anymore like you could maybe 20 years ago. Let things go and have the courage, most of all, to expose yourself in a personal or emotional way. So, you know, I think that the message is it's all about courage. You know, I don't think it's courage to do a, a, a deeper, better analysis. It's not about courage, you know, to bully people. That's not courage. Courage is about taking risks, deal with uncertainty and emotional exposure. So that would be my final message for today. <laughs> Thank you so much, Peter, for being here with us. For those of you who want to know a little bit more about courage, this summer I read the book by Brené Brown, Dare to Lead, and I can tell you it is a wonderful book to build up courage. So do go read that book if you still haven't done that. And if you want to get in touch with Peter and if you want more help and more support to become a much more agile organization to help you see a bit of the reality, to help you get more personal at work. I will put the link to his website in the show notes. So head over to the show notes to get in touch with Peter. Thank you very much, Peter, for being here with us. Well, thanks for having me, uh, Deepa. It was a lovely uh, podcast. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>